Well, let's you and I go on a trip around the world together sometime, uh, because if we do, we'll get a chance to see some amazing things in other cultures that we don't typically get to see stateside here. For example, I remember standing on the Great Wall, and as you look out on the Great Wall, you see these massive stones that sort of dance up and down the Chinese mountainside like a sprawling dragon. I remember being on another international trip, and I got offered some of this, cockroach on a stick. I've been offered rat on a stick. Who needs a corn dog when you got this, right? Uh, I've been served octopus pizza as well. Now, we will be serving octopus pizza in the fellowship hall on the way. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you get to see things uh, overseas that you don't typically see here in the States. And perhaps one of the most surprising things you and I might see if we traveled to various parts of Africa, there's places you'll see small little birds with a tiny little cord around one leg, and that cord is tied to a pole. So, so you and I could actually walk into villages in Africa, and, and you'll see different kinds of birds. Sometimes it's a chicken or a quail or a dove, little teeny uh, rope tied around their leg, tied to a pole. Now, you know this, birds are not known for having the largest brains. And so when you tie one leg uh, to a pole, what do they do? They just walk in a circle and they just keep walking and walking and walking in circles. And if you watch them long enough, uh, the birds will actually create a little rut in the dirt, a little circular rut. And they'll just keep walking in that same rut hour after hour after hour. Here's the kicker. Every once in a while, you'll watch someone go and grab a knife and they'll bend down by the bird and they'll cut the rope, freeing the bird. Do you know what the bird will do? <laughs> they just keep walking in the same circle, right? See, even though the bird has been cut free, they keep walking in the same rut. We're several months into a series called That's a Great Question, where every week we're tackling a cultural or biblical question and trying to answer it together. And this week we've arrived at our question, how can I get free from my past? And as I look at my life and the life of many of my friends, I sometimes wonder, could it be that you and I are a little bit like those birds in Africa? We're just walking around in the same rut over and over and over again. Think about it. Savior comes, a savior dies, cutting the rope of sin. You're free, bird, go. And yet, so many of us still have things in our past that just keep haunting us, keep us shackled, walking in the same rut. Maybe you recognize yourself in one of these stories. Cameron, state champion wrestling friend of mine, lost his virginity in his teens, and he thought, well, now me and my wife can never have in marriage what we were designed for. Jalen, a mom I know, she works part-time to help pay the bills, but whenever she's at work, she feels guilty that she's not with her kids. When she's with her kids, she feels guilty that she's not at work. 
Something in her past is holding her back. Will, guy used to mentor. He was in his 20s and one of these ambitious climb the ladder sort of guys. First five people reported to him at work, then 10. And no matter how high Will climbed on the corporate ladder, something inside of his, his head said, you must climb higher. It's never enough. Ava, gal at our church here, she's tried. I mean, she's really, really tried to read her Bible enough, to pray enough. But no matter how much Ava does, somehow religion just keeps raising the bar on her. She's exhausted. Think about a, another gal I know in our church. Her name's Brandy. She's in her 50s. But when Brandy was in eighth grade, she was hurrying out the door one day to meet up with some friends, and her dad barked at her. Brandy, why aren't you wearing any makeup? You're not really going out the door looking like that. Brandy got the message. I must be pretty enough and look a certain way in order to belong and be accepted with others. Do these people sound free to you? Every one of them is a believer. Every one of them has trusted Christ and he has set them free. Yet as we look at their lives, they go, we don't sound very free to us. Before we launch today, look in your notes for just a moment. I want to give you a moment to pray and identify, is there an area of your life this morning that you go, yeah, Jesus, I, I could use some freedom in that area. Why don't you pray and then take a moment to jot down an area or two before we get started this morning. Go ahead. Don't let me interrupt you. Go ahead and keep writing if you need a few more moments. But let me give you the outline of where we're headed for today. First, we're going to talk about the source of our freedom and then four steps to actually live that freedom. Now, today I'm relying heavily on two sources, uh, some messages by Dr. Tim Keller and a book called Rest Assured by Bill Ewing. So rather than quote them every time, I'll just cite them up front where, so you know where a lot of this material comes from. So if you and I are like rut-walking birds and we're just going hour after hour, shackled to our past, what's the source of lasting freedom? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Did you know that theologically speaking, the cross has at least two sides? Look at the verse again. It starts, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. We might label the first side of the cross forgiveness. You know this already. Jesus took my sin and your sin into his body on the cross. My sin and your sin actually entered him and died with him so we can now be forgiven. But... That's only one half of the good news of the gospel. And if we stop there, even though forgiveness is breathtaking, if that's all we say, we might keep walking in our bird ruts. 
Look at the second side of the cross. Second half of the verse says, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're a Bible circler, you can circle righteousness in your Bible. It's not a word we use very much, right? You're not at work going, hey, Bill, please email me the quarterly numbers. And oh, by the way, how's your righteousness going? We just, we don't use the word. So what's it mean? Well, almost everywhere you look in the scriptures, the word righteousness refers to a record of right living. It's a record of how you live. It's, it's what Dr. Tim Keller calls a VPR, your validating performance record. Now, you may not know it, but mine and your world actually runs on VPRs. In order to get in, in order to be enough, you have to have a record that validates you're enough. Think about it. What do you need to get into college? What's your VPR? Isn't it your high school diploma, right? You hold up a piece of paper and go, look, my GPA, my diploma says I'm enough to make it in to this university. It's your VPR. To get that dream job, what do you need? You need a VPR, you need a resume, a piece of paper to hold up and go, look, I got the chops to do this job. I'm good enough, I have what it takes. Here's my validating performance record, my VPR. See, our world runs on VPRs. Validating performance records that say, I can now validate my existence because I have this record. So, 2 Corinthians steps into our VPR world and it says, so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. See, what it's saying is that when, when Jesus died on the cross, not only did my sin record go on to him, that's one side of the cross, but his righteousness, his life record was placed on me. I now possess, and if you're in Christ, you now possess Christ's VPR. His record of perfectly right living is now yours. Is that good news this morning? I got to attempt a little analogy here to, to help you see it. And I need a volunteer here. Let's see who do I know. Oh, Caleb Shives. Come on up, buddy. Give a round of applause to Caleb. I've known Caleb for like 200 years. Um, we look great for our ages. Thanks for coming up, buddy. I appreciate you abandoning your wife and child there. So they'll be all right. Okay. So Caleb's going to help me out here. Caleb doesn't know this, but it's a terrible day for Caleb, a terrible Sunday. He's just been put on trial. And on this particular day, God happens to be the judge in the courtroom. And the judge pulls out a record of Caleb's life, okay? Has everything written that Caleb's ever done. There's your record, man. Now, I don't know how long Caleb's rap sheet would be. I just know how long mine would be. If you made a record on a scroll of my sin, mistakes, failures, et cetera, that record might like wrap around the planet a few times, right? So Caleb's in the, in the courtroom holding the record of mistakes, sins, failures, whatever, and God just gets ready to like pound the judge's gavel and dismiss the case, separating Caleb from God forever and ever and ever. 
When all of a sudden we look through the back doors of the courtroom and Jesus busts through and Jesus says, time out, time out, time out. I happen to have my own record of righteousness. And Jesus busts in the courtroom. And if we took a good close examination of Christ's record, his scroll, not only would we see there's no sin written there, if we looked really closely, we'd start to see words like righteous, holy, perfect, accepted, Abba's child, always trusted God, always did the will of God. We'd we'd see Christ's record. Are you with me? Is this making sense? So what happened on the cross is it's like Jesus came to Caleb and said, I've got a breathtakingly good free offer for you. Do you want to switch scrolls? So not only does he take the sin record and die for that, getting rid of it forever, but in exchange, Jesus gives Caleb his perfectly righteous record. Are you with me? Does this make sense? Thanks for coming up, buddy. Grab a seat. See, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, forgiveness, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Brand new VPR. See, side one of the cross is forgiveness and side two is righteousness. So look for a moment at whatever you jotted down, that area that you go, I would love freedom from my past in this area. Look at that for a moment. What would happen if you like embraced and learned to cherish and, 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 and savor and love this new record Christ has given you? What might happen for you? Well, Cameron, the state champion wrestler I told you about earlier, who lost his virginity, he, he can now look at Christ's record at Christ's scroll and see written on there, total purity. And because Christ's record is now Cameron's record, the bird rope has been cut. Be free. Jalen, the mom who feels guilty when she's with her kids and when she's at work, she looks at Christ's record and she sees that Christ was always continually resting in the Father. And so now Jalen, when she's with her kids, can rest enjoying her kids being with the Father. And when she's at work, she can enjoy and rest in God's purposes for her at work. The bird rope has been cut. Be free. Will, the ambitious 20-something guy, as he climbs the, the corporate ladder, he looks at Christ's record and he sees the word chosen there. And he goes, wait a second. My identity is not based on my title or my accomplishments. So it's based instead on, on me being chosen by Christ. So when the stock market goes up, I'm chosen. When the stock market plummets, I'm chosen. My identity, my value, my status is now secure. The bird rope has been cut. Be free. Ava, no matter how much she reads her Bible or prays, it never feels like it's enough. She glances at Christ's righteousness and she goes, wait a second. I have Christ's record and he always measures up. And suddenly Bible reading and prayer isn't something she should do to earn points, to gain status with God. Instead, it becomes something she gets to do to be with Abba, Father. 
The bird rope has been cut. Be free. Remember Brandy, whose dad said she'd never wore enough makeup? She looks at Christ's scroll and she might see a word from Ephesians 2.10 written there, the word masterpiece. She sees that God formed her as a great masterpiece. And so makeup or no makeup, makeup, she has inherent value and beauty. The bird rope has been cut. Be free. So what's the source of you and I getting freedom from our past? It's looking at and being captivated by and staring and enjoying the two-sided cross. That's the source. So several years ago, I had a pretty good crash. Um, it was maybe seven, eight years ago, and I was working for a college ministry called Crew, Campus Crusade. Some of you know them. And uh, honestly, we were seeing everything happen that student ministry teams dream of. We were like tripling the number of students involved. Uh, we were seeing more students every year come to Christ than the year before. Like we're living the dream, right? Like it's going great. And out of nowhere, seemingly, one, one morning I wake up and I'm on my way to go train about 100 students for the year. And I hear in my head as clear as a bell this phrase, nothing you do matters. And I'm like, well, I'm a ministry professional. I know how to handle this one. I'll pray a little, claim a little scripture. I'll be good by the time I get out of the shower. Right? Wrong. That phrase just kept repeating over and over in my soul. Nothing you do matters. Nothing you do matters. Nothing you do matters. And days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. And after four months, I couldn't shake this. Didn't matter what I was doing. I'd be eating dinner with my family. Nothing you do matters. I'd be playing tennis. Nothing you do matters. I'd be trying to lead my team. Nothing you do matters. It was with me for four months. Felt like a hypocrite. I remember saying to my wife one day, I'm, I'm telling my staff team, like, we got to go share Christ on campus because, like, that's the only thing that matters. The whole time I'm hearing in my head, none of this matters. Hypocrite, right? It, it got so dark and so bad that there was days my wife would have to, like, come in and drag me out of bed and go, honey, you have to get dressed and go, like, lead your staff team. They're waiting for you. Like, it's terrible. Maybe I didn't want to do ministry anymore. Maybe it was time to, like, throw in the towel. There was days, if I'm being honest, that I was like, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. Like, how could he let me walk through this if he's really real, right? So that's a pretty good crash, right? So after four months of this, I sit down with a friend and just share the story of what's going on. And my buddy goes, maybe I'm connecting some dots here, Dusty. He goes, I don't know for sure. But he goes, it sounds like somewhere in your past this lie started to creep in that you must succeed at everything or nothing you do matters. Like this lie of like, you have to be the best at everything or nothing you do matters. So here's the question. Does Christ's righteousness have the power to bust someone out like me of my bird walking rut. You better believe it did. And here's how it happened. In Romans 12 to 2,000 years ago, Paul, the apostle, gave us the roadmap towards freedom. 
Here's what he said in Romans 12. He said, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, past life, but be transformed. Well, how, Paul? How can we walk out of our bird ruts? By the renewing of your mind. See, getting free from your past, that battle starts as you renew your mind, which happens in at least four steps. Here they are. Here's how you apply this stuff to your life. Number one, write the truth. Excuse me, number one, write the lie. Number two, write the truth. Number three, put off the lie and put on the truth. And number four, make new choices. What I want to do as we head towards the finish line is I want to walk you through each of these four steps using the example of my crash so you can kind of see how it works. And then I'm going to give you some time at the end to actually work through your own thing that you want freedom from. See if you can apply it to your own life. So here we go. Number one, you're going to start by writing the lie. So you start by writing down any thoughts, behaviors, or, 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 or patterns, actions in your life that don't line up with God's word. Now, clarifier. Not everything that haunts us in our past finds its source in a lie, but a lot of it does. So for me, I prayed, Lord, would you show me what lies are behind this crash? And I wrote down two of them. I must succeed and I must be the best. See, somewhere in my past, I don't know if it was through my high school tennis or my music pursuits, I just, somewhere along the line, sort of picked up that lie and started living it. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but I believed that any failure or any ministry numbers going down meant what I was doing didn't matter. See, what was going on inside of me was I was trusting a counterfeit VPR. I bet you're doing the same thing this morning. See, there's something you're holding up this morning going, check it out. I can validate my existence because of this. And if your this is anything but Christ's record, it will be a counterfeit VPR and it will fail you. So see, step one is to go before the Lord and go, show me my counterfeit VPRs. What lies am I trusting in for worth meaning, power, acceptance, belonging, identity. What is my false VPR? Step two, you're going to write the truth. So in step two, you ask the Holy Spirit, you go, could you like take me to a spot, Lord, in God's word that shows me the truth. Now, you guys already know this because we, we talk about this verse often up here. It's, it's uh, uh, John 8, 32. You can probably finish it. You shall know the truth. Say it with me and the truth shall set you. Yeah, so you know this one. See, knowing the truth actually has the power to bust us out of our old lies. Truth shall set us free. For me, the Lord took me to a place in Psalm 16.3. It's a prophecy where Jesus is showing us how he will feel about his people. And he says this, As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. And I went, time out, time out, time out. Jesus, is this verse true? Like, are you saying you delight in your people, period? 
So like when the ministry numbers are going up, you delight in them. And when the ministry numbers are tanking, you delight in them. Like this is how you feel about me 24-7. How could the gospel be this good? So for step two, you're going to look at Christ's record and go, okay, what, what truth do I need on here that has the ability, the power to set me free? Maybe you're a divorced person. And, and, and you might hear in your brain, man, I, I'm no good. I'm just divorced, right? I'm damaged goods because look, look what I did. And you go, well, let's examine the record. If we look at Jesus' scroll here, no divorce written here. If we look a little closer, what we do see is the words brand new person. And suddenly the divorcee goes, I'm not used up goods. I've been given a brand new identity. I'm now God's child. That's who I am. What about the student who goes, uh, well, later on in life, I figured out my parents weren't perfect and my parents sort of messed me up in some ways. And so maybe I blame my parents for things in my past. Well, let's examine the record. The student might look here and go, wait a second. This says I've been given a brand new heavenly father. And oh, by the way, that heavenly father is perfect. And the person who's blaming their parents for their past suddenly goes, I've been given a brand new Father, time to let my parents' past mistakes go, and you get freedom from your past. Now, for some of us, step two is the hardest part because we don't always know where to look in the scriptures for the truths we need. And so if you look down in your notes, you'll see a little QR code we provided. If you scan that thing, it'll link you to a list of Bible verses that might help you if you need help on step two. So step three, as we're trying to get free from our bird ruts, you're going to put off the lie and put on the truth. Now, again, the Apostle Paul is actually our guide here. And he wrote this in Ephesians 4. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, your past, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. It's the battlefield of the mind, right? To put on the new self created to be like God in true, here comes our key word, in true righteousness. For me, I did this by just praying regularly, Lord Jesus, I put off the lie that I must produce ministry results and I put on the truth that you delight in me 24-7. You know what happened? Ministry became a blast again. Rather than hearing in my head, nothing you do matters. It became so much fun. Why? Every day I woke up and I was just free. I got to go, Jesus, could we like go to campus together? And I'm just going to make my focus enjoying you. You're my treasure. Ministry results, ministry fruit was never supposed to be my treasure. And so ministry became a blast again. I got free. Now, you don't have to be in ministry to struggle with performance at your work, right? To wonder, am I enough at work? Am I producing enough? Let me tell you, whatever you're producing at work was never meant to be your VPR. You can be free. Finally, step four, make new choices. See, the final step of renewing our minds is that we begin to walk it out and make new choices that line up with the truth in God's 
word. For me, step four, make new choices, meant I started driving to campus, started driving to USD or Southeast Tech or wherever I was going that day. And I would just pray, Jesus, could we like drive together today? Could you hop in the car and then we'll go to campus and you do whatever you want to do in students' lives today. If you want to do a lot of things, that's great with me. If you want to do little things, that's great. Whatever it is, I'm just going to enjoy you. The fruit, lot or little, that's your deal. I'm just going to enjoy you today. So that's how I made new choices. Now, this four-step process is not a one-and-done sort of thing. If you're looking for the, like, health and wealth, wave the magic wand, get released from your past thing, this isn't it. Romans 12 makes it clear that renewing our minds is a process. It will take time, but you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you keep applying this process over and over again, you can eventually get free from the bird ruts you've been walking in. So I'd encourage you, since it's a process, to put the grid and the QR code that's in your notes, put it somewhere you'll have it in the weeks and months ahead that you can revisit this process as needed. Now, we don't want to wait to give you an opportunity to get started. So what we're going to do is we're going to carve out just a little bit of prayer time for you just to go one-on-one with the Lord right now. And I want you to work through the blank grid in your notes for whatever area you wrote in your notes that you want freedom from this morning. See if you can start to identify the lie, write the truth, put off the lie and put on the truth, and then what would it look like to make new choices? So go ahead and take a few minutes just to pray and work through that grid just between you and the Lord. Go ahead. Every single week we have young people, old people, families, single, every shape and stripe and story walk through the doors and people are always carrying stuff. And I imagine a lot of us this morning are a lot like that. I brought this in from my past. This thing keeps haunting me. Whatever it is that you've brought in this morning, I just want you to hear me say there's a cross for that. The two-sided cross of Jesus's forgiveness and his righteousness can set you free. That's for the believers. That's for those of us who come in and we, we brought our relationship God with us in here this morning. Some of us, every single week, we have folks that walk in here and they haven't started a relationship God yet. Haven't turned from their sin and trusted Christ. And so you're still in the courtroom and you're still holding your old record. It's not sufficient to earn you a relationship with God. It's not sufficient to gain you entrance into heaven. Your record, your VPR could never gain you favor with the high king. So as long as you trust in this VPR, as long as you trust your old record, your religion, your past, your accomplishments, your good deeds, you will never be in a relationship with God. And so for those of you who have not trusted Christ yet, His offer to you is the same as that you saw with Caleb earlier. He's coming and saying, I've got a brand new record. I'll totally forgive you and I'll make you a brand new person. And he's asking you, will you receive the free gift of Christ's record this morning? If you're in that boat, 
The boat that says, I came in this morning and I don't think I have a relationship with God yet. I don't think I've swapped scrolls with Jesus. We wanna end this morning by just giving you an opportunity to pray and say, Jesus, I wanna swap scrolls. So would you pray with me? you're in that spot this morning that goes, I'm tired of feeling dirty and trusting my own self to be in a relationship with God, and I'm ready to switch scrolls with Jesus. You could just pray right now silently and say to God, God, I need you. Jesus, thanks for dying for my sins. Jesus, I want to receive the free gift of your record. I turn from trusting myself and I instead trust your perfect life. Jesus, what you've done on the cross is breathtaking for us and, and help us to be a people that cherishes it and stares at it and embraces it increasingly in our lives. And Jesus, as we see more of your righteousness and see more of your cross, you help us keep walking out of our past. Only you can do it. So we trust you each step of the way. Thanks, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Say, on your way out, uh, every so often on a Sunday morning, we'll collect something called the benevolent offering. You might not know what that word benevolence means. It's just a word we use to help people here in our church family and here in the broader Sioux Empire community that might need a little help for whatever reason. And so if you have some extra dollars you want to toss in the offering bucket on the way out for our benevolent offering to help some folks in need, you're welcome to do that. Have an awesome Sunday and a great Labor Day weekend. Good seeing you guys.